0: Hi, Office 365 fam. Welcome to the Stories of Modern Work podcast, where we discuss thoughts and experiences of Office 365 users, IT pros, and community leaders in using Office 365 as a modern workplace platform. My name is Jack Kakalapudi from Modern Work Consulting and Training. I'm a senior Office 365 consultant and trainer based in Melbourne, Australia. You can find out more details about the Modern Work Place uh, technology services we offer on our website modernwork.cloud. In episode 11 of the Stories of Modern Work podcast, I speak with James Dello, a digital strategist, collaboration consultant, and human centered designer, as a guest to share his experiences and thoughts on intranet in a box solution offerings and employee engagement. Before we begin the episode, I would like to say thanks to all of you who have listened and subscribed to the Stories of Modern Work podcast. The main aim for this podcast is to give you an insight into how others are using Office 365 as a modern work uh, platform. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, I highly recommend you to subscribe and leave your feedback and rating to help me improve the podcast in the coming episodes. All right, uh, let's get into the episode. Hi James, welcome to the Stories of Modern Work podcast. James, before we, we get started, uh, how about you introduce yourself uh, to the audience and then we'll can go with the discussion.
1: Yeah, sure, so I'm a uh, independent consultant. I have a company called Chief Technology Solutions that has been around for a few years on and off. Um, I also have another brand name which is the Digital Workplace Company. So the difference between the two is that Chief Technology Technology Solutions is very much my IT, digital-focused business, whereas the dig- digital workplace company is actually all about the integration of physical workplace with the digital workplace. Yeah. I do a lot of work with interior designers on um, planning for the future of work in new office fit out. so that's my two sort of, two arms to me.
0: Sure, sure. And I also understand you do, uh, you're technology agnostic as well, you deal with a deal lot of, uh, you know, modern workplace yeah. sets, like uh, Office 365 and... Workplace by Facebook and interact and other stuff as well. That's that's so right. Know, talk a bit
1: about, uh, yeah, so that that's what that's my heritage. Um, and in terms of being being, uh, if you like agnostic or vendor neutral, I was very lucky to spend some years with Ernst and Young. And at the time, Lotus Notes was the kind of uh, cutting edge technology. I know there'd be people out there going, "Oh my God, Lotus Notes." Yeah. Um, but I sort of came through, and I, I then worked for a company called CSE, who are now known as DXC and uh, got involved with some more projects. And in those days, the early experiments with what we called Enterprise 2.0 were just starting to come through. But luckily at CSE, I then got to play with solutions like Confluence and Jive. And uh, actually, I think we, we did uh, look at MediaWiki very briefly as an enterprise collaboration solution. Yep. But um, I've sort of come through using lots of different products and SharePoint as well at the yep. same time. Um, and even for my sins, I've worked with a few document management systems as well. So... It, just from my background, the way I've, my career's developed, I've never been in a, uh, worked in an environment where we've really been tied to one solution. Um, and that's kind of just, just the way I've sort of, um, you know, where my, yeah. my business has developed. Yeah. I, I,
0: I think that's a good mindset to have, uh, you know, to bring in, uh, that way you would know what's the draw, you
1: know, strengths
0: and drawbacks of all these products and then, being a consultant, I think it's it's a especially being a business consultant. I think it's the actual need of the hour to to really give like uh, the right opinion as such. Yeah. And talking about opinions, also, I believe uh, you did do a lot of work in the uh, the intranets in the box review uh,
1: process, I guess. Uh, yes. Yeah. From the
0: Clearbox Consulting uh, report.
1: That's that's right. So th- this is one of the trends that I've been watching now for maybe four years or more. Um, so I've worked with a variety of solutions, and um, SharePoint yep. has been a solution that has is one that I've often um, worked with. But in the past, every project was pretty much a custom, uh, a custom project with SharePoint. Yeah, and I've seen some good examples, and I've seen some really bad examples. I've I've heard some some good experiences from others, and and I've also heard some horror stories from others as well. So I don't think my my experience with SharePoint's being unique, but in the last you know four years or so, I suddenly noticed that we were starting to see these solutions appear, and also I think others I'll come you know other projects I worked on are starting to see reuse of concepts, yeah. and it dawned on me that actually that the landscape was changing a little bit with with SharePoint and how we go about building intranets, and it wasn't you didn't have to go in with the assumption that this is going to be a long and expensive, maybe high risk project for for certain organisations that were doing it, yeah, um, and particularly when they outsourced development, I think that was probably the riskiest scenario with SharePoint in a way. Um, you know, if you didn't know what you're doing, so you basically like if you don't know how to build a house, and you just b- bring a bunch of tradesmen in, and you still don't know what you're doing, and you sort of tell them to build something yeah. um, based on a pretty picture, it's kind of risky. You don't know what you're going to end up um, getting. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I think we're going to use that, uh, example of building a house quite, a, quite a <laughs> lot in this discussion. I think that's a good example to talk, uh, have, especially when you're building internets. Um, that's we'll right. talk about internet mm. in a box. What, what is an internet in a box in a second? Uh, before we do that, I ask this question for all, uh, you know, to all my, uh, uh, you know, guests mm. on, on the stories of modern work podcast. Uh, what is modern work according to you? Because it's it's you know it's a very vague term. You know it could be anything, uh, especially with a lot of buzzwords around digital transformation and, and so on. So, um, what is modern work?
1: Yeah, no, I think just just on your first point, I think yeah, there's lots of buzzwords. Okay, yeah. so th- let's really strip modern work down. Um, and, and I'm a bit a bit of a history buff, so let's sort of think about this in historical terms. You know, the invention of the, um, the modern workplace, if you like, before we talk about modern work, really has its origins, you know, post Second World War, you know, um, clerical work had started to emerge before the, the, the Second World War. And then in the 50s and 60s, suddenly we had this explosion of, at least in the Western world, of, of this idea of people going to work in an office. Yeah. And closely on the hills, and this comes out of the code breakers. You've you probably yeah. heard of some of those stories. Yes, I know, um, yeah. You know, computing suddenly um, started to enter the. It sort of jumped from a military or academic application into the workplace. I, I think for me, from that moment, that the idea of the modern workplace was just starting to emerge. But it really, wasn't until we saw things like you know spreadsheets, personal computers, um, yeah. that we we again, we sort of start to shift gear. Um, now we're seeing around the modern workplace. I think the th- if you like the third change. So yeah. early computing. In the workplace, you know, mainframes, punch cards, personal computers, spreadsheets, email, all those things started to appear and, and change how we, we, we work together. And now we're seeing um, cloud computing, I think, yeah. is a critical point, artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're seeing um, this sort of incremental and, and leap forward of technology where what people did 50 decades ago in terms of going to an office to do work is fundamentally different from what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So I, I, I think,
0: you know, modern work has always been like, you know, yes, it is slightly weaker in terms like, in a, even with the virtual meetup that mm. we had, like, uh, Owen from Lifehouse I think was mm. saying that modern work or modern UX in, in, especially in Office 365 space is already three years old. Mm. It's not modern anymore. So no. <laughs> that, that's, that's the thing, you know, it, it, the, the way we work keeps changing, you know, keep evolving, yep. uh, in a cycle. So I think modern work is about, uh, you know, embracing the latest and greatest technologies to to do more with less. Yeah. Uh, that's how I see
1: it. Yeah. And, and I think there's, there's also an important point there that not everyone adopts te- new technology at the same speed or rate. So even though the concept of modern work and the modern interface, and, and even in your Office 365 as a solution, is um, increasingly... Um, yeah, you know, pervasive adoption as a solution, but, um, there's still companies out there shaking, you know, scratching their heads about yeah. Office 365. Absolutely. Um, so yes, there's this, there's latest and greatest, but then there's a period of time that takes it all to come through and get it to this, get us to this point and go, aha, we're all now doing modern work and then there'll yeah. be another, there'll yeah. be another cycle. Absolutely. Of technology innovation and, as well. and, and the robots will
0: come and they'll do the work mm. for us and then that'll be the modern work That's in, right. in a few years' time, I guess. Yeah, if Mod- it's not already. modern <laughs> work will be robot <laughs> polishing, right? Yes, yes. So let, let's talk about intranet mm. in a box. Uh, in, in a, what What is an intranet in a box uh, uh, offering? The reason why I ask mm. this is because there is actually a misconception uh, in, in, the, in the industry because I was, I was actually talking to a, a client uh, not long ago mm. and uh, he was like, oh, Jack, it's, it's so expensive to hire a bunch of developers to build uh, or even not even going, even without actually going to the developers, even to actually conduct uh, a proper planning mm-hmm. exercise, like actual upfront planning exercise to understand what an internet, what they need, yeah. how they want to collate, especially in the Office 365 space where you have a lot of apps and services all over the place, how mm. do you actually bring everything together? So that's where you need a consultant. But this customer doesn't ha- actually have the budget. So he was like, uh, Jack, uh, you know, I can't spend any money on a consultant. So what I would do, I'll just go and buy a intranet in a box. Mm. So he was like, you know, I'll go to JB and just buy a intranet in a box and install that and it's my intranet. I don't think that's the case, you know, even when if you buy an intranet in a box, it's not
1: plug and play. That's my understanding without actually yeah. having
0: uh, not yeah. having a lot of experience in that space myself.
1: Yeah, what do you think? So okay, so the thing I've learned and is that i've I've worked with many different solutions over the years, and certainly there was an area of if you if you step outside of the pure um, Microsoft space of you know what they offer. So before office three six five you know there was there was SharePoint and we had Outlook, you know, email exchange, all those you know those those pieces um but there was nothing in there that um you know email kind of has minimal configuration you give that to a user and they they do it themselves so in terms of sort of plug and play email is the ultimate solution right yeah um but when people deployed sharepoint um what they found is is that it's not just a tool like um using your email which is a very much a personal tool you yeah. then send information receive information with others sharepoint you go to a place and you have to make sense of that place as a group of people. And that naturally says that you can't just switch things on. There's always going to be this human element because you've got a group of people trying to um, manage information and collaborate together yep. versus email. Um, although there's a whole podcast and email, right? So, but what we've learned over the years and what emerged with some of the, inner, if you like, the true um, in-a-box non-SharePoint solutions was someone said, look, we know what intranets need to do you're still going to need to configure it to what your organization wants. And that might be color scheme, you know, branding, the site structure. But effectively, we've already thought of what you need mm-hmm. rather than getting you to build um, the solution from an engine that, that SharePoint is. Um, now, some vendors then started to introduce the idea of almost, you, know, you can pick and choose what you want. You know, you want a HR solution in the internet, we can do that. You want to have news solution, we can do that. But SharePoint was always a, a bit of an empty box. Yep. Yeah but it had all the capability there. But as I said, over time, what has then happened in the SharePoint space, and, and again, it's not a single thing, though. There's not a the idea of an intranet in a box for SharePoint that is one um, one sort of design concept or idea. There's actually multiple approaches. Yep. What they all share in common, though, is they're going to give you the ability to accelerate um, the deployment of an intranet using SharePoint. It's going to It's also going to be based on knowing what typical intranets need to do or what some of the problems are. Now, some of them very much are in the sense of a quick deployment, um, very little configuration. Okay. Which is probably the closest to the inner box idea. Yeah. There are also others though. They're really giving you a, a box of tools to add into SharePoint that will help you create an intranet. And yeah. they might be more around governance. So yes, the inner box. <laughs> a yeah, phrase. It doesn't come in a CD that you can install. No, <laughs> no. And, and I think this has been one of the hard, hard things me doing my own research, working with the Clearbox consulting team in the UK, is how do we actually con- categorize these solutions? Um, there's some solutions out there that actually just use, literally use SharePoint as a database. Yeah. And they put a completely different front end on You'd never know you were using SharePoint, yet the back end is dependent on SharePoint. Just like what old Microsoft is doing with Microsoft Teams. Yeah, yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> um, so Yes, it's a bit of, in, in, when you come to the world of SharePoint and, and intranet in a box, it is a bit harder to get your head around, um, which is why and I think Clearbox have, have taken the right approach here. In, when we review a solution in the Clearbox report, so that's, that comes out every year, yep. it's a huge um, editorial um, project, I can tell you. And I've, I reviewed, I think, nine solutions last time. Um, so I, I haven't looked at everything that's out yeah. there. You know, there's 50, yeah. 60 solutions on there's the list. So many of them that just <laughs> come so up many. Like, in the
0: last two years. Or, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and some of them are similar, and some are, some are quite different. But the way that Clearbox approach it is, is they've come up with some scenarios that that, that address typical um, needs of an intranet. But that, this is where people then get a little bit sometimes uh, uh, don't quite understand what the report is telling you. And this is coming from a vendor point of view and maybe a customer point of view. They're not saying these scenarios are what you need. Yeah. We're just trying to do a scenario so we can compare, but you might need more or less of that scenario. So a solution that comes through very strongly in one scenario, you might not actually need that. You might not need to pay for that. You might be actually happy with a, a solution that's not so capable in an area, yeah. but you want to have it capable in one of the other, other areas as well. So it's huge amounts of variety.
0: So to, so, uh, to understand a bit more, uh, again, it's coming to that point of uh, you know, building a house. So can you say internet in a box is like more like a modular kit uh, house that you can get and then you can configure how, how many rooms you want or, or you know, put, yeah. in, put in the, uh, you know, the flashy parts, like, you know, you right. want like a $200 uh, faucet or like a yeah. $2,000 faucet yeah. or something like that. Yeah,
1: you know? you, look, you've got the option of going to, um, you know, you could go to an architect and say, build me a house, I don't want anything off the shelf, design Absolutely every, every last fitting and element has to be unique. Yeah. SharePoint still lets you do that. Yeah. But you know, even as I describe that, you're thinking, oh, you're going to have to have deep pockets. Mm. And actually a Mm. lot of imagination, you know, creativity to make it be really special. Yeah, I've I've um, seen some customers ask like,
0: uh Jag build this, but don't make it look like SharePoint because SharePoint people
1: there's a bad rep for SharePoint in the company in the organization. Yeah. yeah, make it look like entirely something that's else. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so you can do that. There's also if you think about those new housing worlds where you go and you can see different builders with different designs and they've got plans. Some of them let you amend the plans. Some of them don't that's true in the internet in a box space for SharePoint and then and I think this is more like I think I've seen the Chinese um demonstrate this where they prefab a house in a, in a factory deliver it to site yeah. and it is literally like Lego where they 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 you know, I think they built a hotel or a, a block a block of apartments in in a record time as yeah. well yeah yeah those solutions exist as well mm. but if you think about again from a house building experience you're going to get, what you get out of SharePoint with those solutions is going to be very similar to, to that house experience. Either a very unique and bespoke, right through to customized, right through to, no, no, this is quick, off the shelf. It's like Henry Ford, you know, you can have any mm. color you like as long as it's black. <laughs> that all exists, um, in the, um, in a box space. Yeah. I'm going to add one level of complexity, but I won't dwell on it though. Already though, in the, time of, again, me watching this space and and working with Clearbox and reviews, we're seeing a shift where the vendors are now realizing that as Microsoft adds more value, and also as people want to get more out of Office 365 as well, that the intranet has is no longer SharePoint focused. It is now. It's much meet. bigger than SharePoint. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Teams, but everything else that that comes with it. Is yeah, it? and yeah. yeah. Well, for example, from a social aspect of it,
0: previously it's all SharePoint, it's all document-centric, and also it's page-centric, lists and libraries and so on. But it's all changing now, especially sure. with Microsoft Teams. You know, you're, it's all you know. Uh, what is internet in a in a contextual sense in the new world, in the modern world? For mm. example, is with the latest and greatest Microsoft products. Yeah, it's just. You know, broadens you know the offerings that yeah. you have to deal with. So, and and one one last question on this uh, internet in the box uh, segment: When should an organisation sh- should look to go in, You know, start using an internet
1: in the box. Okay, I honestly think these days, as part of your if you like your due diligence, if you've got SharePoint, and you want to you know develop an intranet on SharePoint. If you have not at least considered. The inner box solutions, you, you're sort of doing your organisation a disservice. Yeah. And I say that because there's an opportunity. You don't, why reinvent the wheel? If you look at as well uh, Office, and particularly actually, if you've if gone with SharePoint Online, Office 365, you, you're subscribing to an evergreen product. Yeah. Why would you then want to go and develop, if you like, um, potentially a solution that's not like evergreen?
0: Cut, like develop, uh, you know, pieces of functionality uh, that you need to keep. Keep managing yeah. it with the latest, and you know the latest changes that are coming. To right. to, Let someone else build uh, manage the function. You know the changes that yeah. are happening. Yeah, yeah. makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, but also, I think this uh, we do know what intranets do. The fundamentals. Mm-hmm. So again, do you want to spend um, a lot of time and money r- building that functionality from scratch? I mean, look, I know there's open source elements. You know, you can incorporate into SharePoint. There's a community of mm-hmm. there. That's kind of in a way uh, almost a uh, that's kind of in, in a box like. You'd yeah, but the
0: thing bits. is about manageability and maintainability of that's that right. open source also comes that's right. into play.
1: Yeah. Now, if you then turn around the end of the process and say, no, these aren't going to work for whatever reason, fine. But I think if you just say, no, no, we're not going we're not even going to look at in-a-box solutions. We're just going to assume we're going we're to do it completely from scratch. Mm. I think that's a mistake because, as I said, there's so much variety out there. If you can't find uh, uh, what I call an accelerator product that's going to give you um, reusable components that you then customize on top of, Mm. or you just want to have um, particularly with the modern experience you know people that have, have really have spent the money developing very flexible web parts um, to do different things you want to do within that modern look and feel it's sort of like why, why would you be yeah why yeah. would you be doing this yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think you know uh, in in from my perspective I've always been like a traditional uh, purist like I said before mm. but, uh, uh, like a SharePoint person, like, you know, I believe in shape SharePoint yeah. Framework and build your stuff and things like that. But I'm slowly changing my perspective on yeah. the Internet in the Box the implementations because, again, this ties back with my previous uh, uh, point on, like, there's a sort of confusion around internet in the box it's you don't you, it's not like uh, plug and play uh you get it in uh in cd you install it and that's about it like you get your internet. no yeah. that's not the case it's actually i believe is is a combination of uh, reusable components you know you could call them web parts or you could call them you know uh, yeah uh, you know in a microsoft teams perspective you could call them custom tabs or you know hmm. whatever it is uh so i i, I think if you if you're going to go down the path of investing time in building your own web parts make sure that you actually look in the for example in the clear clear box report and see what's there out that's, there that's right uh, and, and and first of all understand that before investing in in the custom development yeah. space.
1: now now the reason i also think this is important is is not from the the kind of you know the nuts and bolts of of you know the the um the level of skill maturity an organization needs to you know they're going to build it themselves. But, but taking on board some feedback I've heard from people that have used these types of solutions is that there's a really uh, interesting uh, interview I, I had with a customer of one particular solution when they said they still spent, they think, as much time building their intranet using this, this solution. Mm-hmm. But what they were able to do was to spend more time focused on adoption and user engagement and the exactly. requirements. Exactly. And for me, that's the real critical thing here.
0: I, I, I think that's, that's the missing piece in a lot of the projects as well, like the user adoption, the governance and the engagement aspect of, you know, including the employees from day one mm. uh, is, is the missing part. It's always been driven like, oh, Okay, we got we got Office 365 licenses. Okay, let's start bringing in people into OneDrive for Business. Then start rolling out sites, and that's your internet. <laughs> that's
1: right. <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah,
0: I, so that's a good segue, yeah. James. Uh, let's uh, y- you know keep internet in the box aside a bit and mm. and, and uh, focus on employee engagement. Right, uh, we we keep hearing this uh, quite a lot yep. uh, about employee engagement. We'll talk about you know what is employee engagement in a bit, but a lot of organizations, you know. Uh, focus on the bottom line, uh, you know, it's fair enough. Uh, it's always been about the customer. It's never been about the employee. So that's where the employee engagement and employee happiness and all that comes into play. So wh- what is employee engagement, uh,
1: according to you? Yeah, well, I mean, th- let's try and um, keep this relatively simple. Yeah. Because, I mean, employee engagement You can sh- go on. You can go on. It's <laughs> or, not a technology-specific yeah, yeah. um, topic, but only in the sense that if you imagine, if you try to imagine that organisations don't use any technology, so you know technology is there; it's a factor. Employee engagement itself is really just talking about how engaged is an employee in the job that they're doing, the organisation they work for, and are they able to give it their their maximum in whatever that might be. Now, it is, I think, relative to the job role. If you're a fast food worker um, on an hourly, you know, um, minimum wage. Now, you can't expect that that person is going to be lying awake at night worrying about the future of your business. Mm. But what you would like them to do is to turn up to work yep. and do a good job. Um, and what we're realizing in, around employee engagement is really looking at the person holistically. Um, and I mean, there's always, you know, you may have come across these ideas of intrinsic and e- extrinsic motivation. Um, so intrinsic is kind of, um, you know, the internal motivators and yep. extrins- extrinsic is the external motivators. Um, and intrinsic motivators are always the, the better one. So extrinsic was, let's pay you more, okay? Now, if you look at recent events in many corporates, we know that paying people more doesn't necessarily make them better employees or more thoughtful employees. Absolutely. Yes. That's right, okay? So we really want people to be self-motivated. Mm. And employee engagement is really about understanding well, what would make someone motivated. And I think what's really interesting in the employee engagement conversation today, again, without going into every possible kind of... Um, Human resource kind of, if you like, people yep. side of this is that you do have to look at people holistically, and we're really aware that yeah, pay is maybe a motivation for someone, career prospects, um, where you know, but there's also issues like where is someone's career going, do they do they buy into the mission of the organisation, um, and what about their own sort of health and well-being and mental illness and yeah, there's a reason that are are they yeah. being,
0: are they being uh, in listened to for example do they have a voice employee yeah. voice is yeah. also important yeah. As yeah. well.
1: so uh, there's I think employee engagement
0: encapsulates a lot of
1: uh, parts that's uh, right yeah. so it's you're really saying let's look at the whole person mm. are they are they not only are they again the I think the old management view was how do we motivate someone to come to work and and do a good job whereas we're now uh, looking at from both sides of the coin from a business perspective how do I Motivate my staff and engage with them, and and create an environment where they want to do their best. Yeah. But also equally, from the individuals, if we look at them, what might be what might be getting in the way of our workplace from them doing their best? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Excellent.
1: So uh, I've seen a recent report uh, from Gallup.
0: uh, I think when I say recent, 2016, uh, there was a survey conducted uh, from I think uh, founded on the HBR. It's like. 13%, 16%, 13%, 16%, sorry, 13% of employees are only, employee en- like, engaged in the workplace. Yeah. So how do we actually quantify something like employee engagement?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, so going back to my point, it's, it's not a technology-specific thing. Yes. So the measures of employee engagement are typically um, done through asking employees, for example, how they feel about the workplace on their jobs. Hmm. Um, and there are survey instruments out there that will ask a range of questions And, and we'll give you insights into the the level of engagement. Um, We're also, though, from a technology point of view, starting to get a little bit more sophisticated with, um, and again, there's some issues here around workplace surveillance and privacy. Yeah. But we, you know, we, we can look at data now and start to see, um, um, indicators of engagement. Right. Which might be, you know, how much is someone interacting with another employee? For example, it could do, to do with, um, how fast they respond to certain requests for help. Yep. Um, you know, there are little indicators there, but the fundamental ones are about really, um, looking at employees. Um, and there also are also other measures around, um, um, number of sick days yes. that someone's taking. Yes. Yeah. So there's a range of measures there, database sort of measures, uh, and then there's actually, um, typically it's about going out and asking people. The trick is, of course, is trying to link that through to business outcome. Yep. Um, now, so I've seen some, uh, articles that talk about, you know, the happier an employee is, the better the customer experience might be. Um, but yeah, that's so. But measurement-wise, it's it's you look. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's I a think little that's bit tricky. not always yeah. the case. Mm. Uh, you know, no.
0: <laughs> a disengaged employee could just make the customers uh, yeah, happy or satisfied. Doesn't mean that the employee is engaged all the time. That's you know, right, that, and
1: that's why it's a little bit tricky, I think, to yeah. um to to always link a measure through to outcome. I mean, it's, I'm going to say that as an aside, though. I came out of Ernst Young in a knowledge management area. Yes. And it was always tricky to demonstrate the, the value of, of um, knowledge management directly to business performance. And you always had to look for indirect indicators that said, you know, hey, look at this, what we're doing here and what we're doing there. I remember Ernst & Young, it was always, always about showing how headcount was not accelerating as fast as sort of maybe business revenue or business value yeah. being generated. And they can say that we believe that knowledge management is contributing to that. Yeah. And I think it's a similar story to employee engagement. I mean, I like to try and find actual stories of what, you know, what employee engagement looks like, you know, which are the stories of employees going above and beyond. The normal kind of call of duty, or it's how they might be supporting each other in the times of crisis. Yeah. That those stories can demonstrate the value of employee engagement. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you've got to you've got so, to look for those. You've got, you've got to go out and really look for those. Exactly.
0: Things. Uh, the, the reason why I asked mm. the question, Jabs, is, is you know I see a lot of businesses, you know. Um, they think that, okay, we need to roll out an employee engagement initiative in the an organization. And then the first thing they do is technology. You know, mm-hmm. the first thing they think, oh, let's go and do something. Let's build an intranet. Let's do something. Let's build a HR portal uh, where employees can find information and, and do whatnot. Uh, but the thing they, we need to really understand what's the level of engagement first. And then try to understand, tie that with the business outcomes like you mentioned, and yeah. then w- then bring the technology piece yeah. into the mix.
1: <laughs> now, this is actually why I, I would generally start with, um, when you think about employee engagement, it's probably tempting to kind of jump to these um, softer indicators or issues of engagement. Like, you know, uh, does does someone feel engaged with the mission of the organization? But I think before you jump to that, and particularly from a, a technology consulting point of view, one thing to think about is some of the fundamentals of things like productivity. And that if you are not giving your employees the tools that they need to get their job done easily and that kind of aligns with the way they want to work, which takes us back to this concept of modern work, is they're not going to, they're likely not going to feel engaged. And again, there is other survey data that suggests that's true. You know, that the reason that people, particularly younger people, might change a job is because of the the poor technology offered by an organization, all those sorts of things. So if your basics of productivity aren't there, you, you you know you're gonna you're gonna really struggle in other areas of engagement because you know great I love working for this organization but boy they make you know I can't log in from home you know every time I, I try to do something it's blocked on the, mm. on the internet you know exactly. I can't get to it all those sorts
0: of things it's, it's I think it works the other way around as well like you 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 put an example of let's say the younger generation right it, it also you know goes the other way with the older generation as well uh, okay you could have all these latest and greatest tools like you know Microsoft Teams and SharePoint online and and throw that at like say older people and say hey use Microsoft Teams to just on your mobile and then start uh, yeah. putting your shifts in there yeah. and, and and people are like, hang on I'm always being this paper and pen guy you know why that's would right. I? That's, that's right yeah yeah, they yeah. start disengaged uh, they get disengaged yeah. very easily yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. actually I guess this is why is why it's complicated for, again even at that productivity level is yeah. someone might say. Actually, I've, I'm really offended. You basically don't want to talk to me. You just want me to put this into a exactly. into a chat yeah. room. And for some people, that would be seen as a that's that's really cool. I don't want to actually talk to you about that minutia. Whereas for someone else, um, they there may be other things in how they connect with their role that they actually want to have that 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 sort of face to face connection with someone, even over a bit of administrivia. Yeah. So yeah, again, this is very human, human focused. That we have to get our head around about the decisions we make around technology can have a a kind of, I often think of it as a lever. You know, you can, the lever might go one way or the other depending on what you do. And the first lever for me is productivity. Yes. And are you investing in the, in the best tools to suit your workforce? But you've got to understand what people want and meet the variety of different needs. I
0: I always think that it's always the matter. It comes back to the common sense, right? It's horses for courses. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean that you need to have one specific uh, uh, story around technology for your entire organization yeah. it could be a mix of you yeah know, stories you yeah. know based on the demographics or based on you know people in hr could have their own sort of yep uh, you know their story of their own modern work or yeah. their own productivity story even compared to say first line workers you know they could have a different entirely different so yeah. i yeah. think uh, businesses need to have stories uh, or you know it needs to cater
1: for every mm
0: type of user or
1: human there is in, in the organization. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, and I think this is why sometimes I'm cautious about um, vendor marketing around solutions and, and Microsoft is as guilty as, as anyone else uh, as this because on one hand from a marketing and sales point of view you're trying to explain some technologies that are deeply complex Yes. and you want to get it down to some bite-sized concepts so that people who aren't technologists or deeply invested in understanding how, how collaboration tools work, yeah. I've got to make a decision to be interested in them buy your product. But at the same time, by simplifying what some of these solutions are, and, and I'll take the inner outer loop concept that Microsoft has talked about, is um, if you're a lawyer, the idea of having a chat box open while you're working may not be very appealing. Absolutely. Yeah. Whereas Yammer, actually, because you can dip in and out, might actually make a lot more sense. But if you mm. try and enforce this idea, no, 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 for your for your for your matter that you're managing in the team you're working with, that's that's your inner loop. You have to use yes. Microsoft Teams technology. Actually, I I think the thing I find wonderful about working with people and technology is that people continue to surprise me by doing things with tech, and actually, we pick the right technology as well. But people will do things with technology we we don't always expect. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, and also, there's this
0: confusion around, in especially in the Office 365 world, around, you know, which tool, when, especially you could say, uh, there's Yammer, there's Microsoft Teams, you know, you could have your conversations in Microsoft Teams versus you could have conversations in Yammer as yeah. well. And there's, there's you know, uh, a lot of uh, resources which come up recently as well, t- trying to explain people mm-hmm. like, you know, which is the best tool to which. But I, I actually think that it actually... It doesn't matter what tool to use, it should be tied with your business outcome and it has to be uh, more centric around business and, and the human Right, So it has to be like, OK, Jack, I like HR, I like Microsoft Teams. Yes. So I prefer to use the teams more often than using Yammer. Uh, mm. Similarly, but the thing is the back end, if there is governance around backend, either it doesn't matter where I'm chatting about, like, you know, if yep. the chats can be propagated into a single source of so yeah. truth, then doesn't matter, right, which tool we use. That's so, right. That's
1: right. So, I mean, the ideal world would be that you can pick the, if you like, the interface or mode of communication that suits your preferences and, and what you're doing at the time, um, rather than picking a tool. Exactly. So it doesn't. Ne- yeah. it, sh- it should never be
0: about the tool. It should be about yeah. the uh, the uh, your own requirement first, the business outcome, yeah. and the tool comes
1: next. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's yeah, right.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, having said that, though, uh, especially. What sort of uh, technology? exactly like,
1: you now, mm.
0: what sort of role does technology play when it comes to rolling out employee engagement experiences?
1: Yeah, so so I, I you know my kind of working assumption is that the modern, and again, this is why I was sort of making references to the sort of history of recent work, you know, this evolution towards modern work, is that you know people like to imagine that, um, or, or talk in a way where, don't worry about the technology, we can ignore technology, it's all about people and that's true but technology has a huge impact on how we work and most organizations and large organizations in particular can't operate without technology so technology is an ever-present factor um, yeah. first of all so you, you can't ignore it and again you can the lever can push or pull you in different directions so I, I think understanding technology is, is, a, is a critical um, aspect of approaching employee engagement. Now you've kind of got to build up, I think, through those layers, though, of um, not just the right um, the right tool for, if you like, the work style. What are people doing? What do they want to use. I think there is now an imperative with the way we work today to then start embarking into an area of employee engagement, which which is past the productivity um, layer. In fact, I think there's only, there's a there's a point where that productivity lever doesn't actually Contribute, you can't, you can't push productivity any further. There's a, there's a certain point where you've given me the best tools, you've given me the best access, you've given me all the training and support. I'm using it as well as I can. And you've got to start looking at what are the other issues that stop me from performing. Sure. And that's when we start to move into, okay, so if you are a, you want to support flexible working, how do you create a cohesive workplace so that actually you've got a team that wants to work together? And I think there is a role for technology that gets a little bit overlooked or maybe not valued as much mm. at the moment because it's not a productivity. Yes. Um, you know, it's not a hard, tangible um, productivity issue. Yes. It's seen as a soft organizational issue. Yeah, that, but that's still yeah.
0: needed in, in terms of, uh, you know, all these factors <laughs> add up to, to actually supporting that employee-engaged workforce such, especially you know, I was, I was um, going through the digital placemaking. Mm, did, yep.
1: did you just come up with that term yourself, or is that actually an, because I <laughs> first time I'm hearing about that? Okay, so um, placemaking is actually a concept that's come out of urban design, yeah. and the idea of you know how do you effectively take a space and reclaim it mm. for a community, or how do you create community around a, a particular area? And if you think about a city. In the past, architects and urban designers may have created very efficient designs, like a series of motorways that cut through a city. Yeah. But you know, you, you can accidentally say cut off two community, you know, create two separate communities because you put a, a highway through the middle of a suburb. Yes. Um, whereas placemaking is trying to reclaim Melbourne. We're here in Melbourne today. Melbourne's yeah. a great example of of placemaking. Things like alleyways in the city. Yeah. And you compare to Sydney that bulldozed or you know built over its alleyways. You create yep. a very different experience of a city. You've got Federation Square. Yeah, yep. that's 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 and that's why we're the most
0: livable city in the world. Exactly. For, uh, yep. Number of years running, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a bit of uh, yes. Sydney versus. Yes. You can't um, see uh, my uh, face. <laughs> somebody lives
1: in New <laughs> South Wales. Um, Sydney has its own L- 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 examples of placemaking. <laughs> but but yeah, this is the basic idea. How do we? How, it's a deliberate process. Yeah. I mean, it can't happen randomly. But, but I'm saying from an urban design point of view, it's, it was deliberate. Now, what's been happening now, uh, and this comes through my experience of working with interior designs and architects on on workplace design, physical workplace design, office refits, for example, yeah. new offices, is that the idea of corporate placemaking has appeared. Yes. Now, if you've been to any large company, maybe recently, some of the newer um, newer organizations or... I, I have. Uh, yeah. It's
0: like... A you know, I was working with a company called NEC before, mm. and uh, NEC moved into this new Medibank building in uh, in Melbourne, yep. right? So, Medibank building is one of those uh, the the uh, what do you call uh, the pre one one of the first yeah. to do that activity based uh, workplace yep. thing. And uh, you know, we were previously based in one of those old uh, buildings, and we were to like adopt mm-hmm. an entirely new work yep. methodology or mindset. So, yeah, I understand what where you are saying that and also uh, you did code in that virtual not uh, in the in the uh, presentation you did for in europe i think
1: uh, yeah well that's why I, that was one of my first opportunities to really talk about um, digital placemaking for yeah. the workplace in there you yeah. actually quoted some examples around uh, warm holes and uh, presence that's uh, right stuff, yeah right? Uh, that is really interesting can you just speak about that uh, yeah so again there's, there's some research around um, remote work yeah. and for me as soon as you have flexible working and you're out away from the office you know it's, it's again it's a degree there's a one end is telework you, you work permanently from home for example yeah. and that's certainly a, 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 a an issue for a percentage of the workforce that are in that situation yeah. but for everyone else it's it's sort of occasional ad hoc remote work. You know, the day that you have to work from home because you're waiting for the plumber, you're starting late because you are dropping off kids, um, you want to do some voluntary work and you need to take some time off during the week. You know, as soon as we start to time shift and, and, and work differently, we kind of are moving into, the, into this virtual remote work world. Yeah. And some people are going to be physically co-located at the same time and others won't. And some people be working at different times. And the idea of things like um, wormholes, is how do you create this sense of presence, social presence, and awareness yep. and connection? And a wormhole is basically it can be a video connection. It's just a constant, constant video, constant
0: uh, video connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And the idea is that you can then walk up and just see who's around in the other office, yeah, and say hi and and just have a bit of a chat or just have that impromptu meeting. I've seen a few more solutions that add a bit more bells and whistles into that process. And there's also a, another solution I've seen that. Um, is designed for an individual worker or group of workers who are remote. And it's like a instant kind of, uh, video connection if you want it. But yep. it also grabs, with your permission, an occasional, um, sort of, uh, selfie. Right. And the idea is that you share that across your team and people can start to get a sense of your mood yes. or how you're feeling. As yep. you're sitting with your headphones on, even at home, because you really just want to focus and block out the noise of the guy mowing his lawn. Yeah um they'll know they can sort of say that you're you're focused or maybe you're just looking a bit sad you know sure, what i mean like it's sure. it's i've other seen yeah.
0: uh, such things as well I've, i listen to a podcast uh, i think it's called socialite podcast mm-hmm. have you uh, come across that uh, it's also based a a uh, one of the podcasters from i think sydney uh, she actually has this thing for like you know working women yeah. uh, working from home uh, women like where they all have their own virtual uh, not a slack group but more like a persistent Zoom meeting or something yeah. like that, which is which runs behind uh, in, in the background, yeah. and people can just jump in at any time and discuss what they're doing at the time, yeah, yeah. because it gives that human, like you know, human touch
1: to you know remote work. That's yeah. right. So to say. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that particular aspect of placemaking is a again. So it's not. It's, I mean, there can be. A, there's a productivity link, but it is about showing social support and social presence. And some of the research is, you know, as a remote worker you rightly or wrongly you might feel forgotten, mm. neglected, ignored, you might feel that your work's not valued. So what we're trying to do is is trying to um raise the um that social presence so that you're not just Bob yep. who's works who works from home on Thursdays. Yeah. Um that you're actually um you have that presence within the um within the organisation. But you can take it a little bit further. If you take the wormhole idea, there's other um Place making solutions from a from a digital experience point of view, where you can you know organize um a little sort of uh, a sort of a meeting roulette where it will pair you with someone you don't know in your company. Yeah. And um, if you're remote, um, you can organize it just a time for a bit of a, 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 a uh, time again, to get to know yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it can be on on a mentoring basis. Sure. I um, mean the other the other end of that as well. When you are co-located, co-located is other tools that will create lunch dates mm. in the workplace or coffee dates. Again, just to increase this chance of serendipity right. of, and making those those connections with people that you might not know who they are. Um, and that's where that, that digital layer comes in. But that's what they have in common, like the wormhole. Yes. is this idea of trying to create social connection, social presence between people? Yes, especially in the activity-based workplace as well. Uh, re-
0: in, in a recent uh, LinkedIn post by someone else, I think it's a mutual mm. connection for both of us. Uh, posted about like you know a QR code where you scan, where you where you yeah. see it, and you actually ask a question around that as well. So I th- I think that's a great uh, use case, for example, from a remote work or activity work-based scenario because you always try try to understand where people are. Yeah. like you know you try like always. Uh, is is Jack working from home today, or is he working in? Where is he? Is he based on level one yeah. or level two in in the office, or, you know, if that particular, you know, if you get your phone out, scan uh, whatever the QR code is yeah. on the monitor or something like that, and it just collates that into a yeah. central repository, and you know, you could that's the technology side of things, right. but also it, the the you. Yeah, the business outcome for that is it's actually connecting people. It's it's people who are able to find
1: where, where others yeah. are and so on. So now uh, I think one thing to sort of say as well, if your organisation isn't ready to try some of these things, they might yeah. sound a bit too um, yeah. off the wall. Just remember, even tools like Yammer. Um, actually, that's my next yeah, question. Yeah. Is is so, that on that? Yeah. You know? So yeah. Uh, I think you've got a palette of solutions. Yes. Again. Productivity layer, there's a palette of solutions there. Some of those solutions you can elevate to being a placemaking solution. And then you can look at acquiring other placemaking-specific solutions as well. But a tool like Yammer can be a placemaking tool, depending on how you use it. And I think that's why it's important as well, things like people's profile images um, are a very simple placemaking tool. It's not the solution, yeah. but it's like a, an element. But I think one thing to watch for, though, with tools like Yammer, if you like the, um, one idea might be, let's, let's create, um, different, you allow people to create social groups within Yammer. We can have a kitten appreciation group. We can have a new mums and bubs group. We yeah. can have a cyclist group, the coffee club, all those different things. And that can be helpful. Um, and they can be helpful as well, perhaps counterintuitively, is that if I go into my Yammer network and I constantly post pictures of kittens in the main activity feed, yeah. One is the CEO is probably going to get pretty pretty annoyed with that pretty quickly. But also, <laughs> yes. if I don't like kittens, I don't want to engage with you. Yeah. Okay. So and sometimes you won't never want to open uh, an ever again. That's, an again. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And and but there's so actually you don't necessarily. I mean, you don't want to create this environment where you have all these little niche groups, and all that happens is some people that share similar interests come together, and then they never move out of that bubble. It's like the you know the filter bubble. Yes um you, you we want to encourage people to create broad connections across an organization sure connect with like-minded people yeah. but you've got to be careful to not exclude people Yes. yes. and
0: i can give you an example yeah. <laughs> uh, that i've uh, not long ago seen uh, as as well like you know um in uh, without actually naming uh, the organizations and stuff uh, so this guy he's very security focused mm-hmm. in IT and he's to constantly post security alerts, uh, like, you know, the, there's a new scam happening, or there's a new, like, yeah. the virus going around, and, and from his perspective, it is really because he's actually helping the community, yeah. the organization, right, but from, from few other people, it's, you know, for me, I saw that, all right, that's fine, he's posting it to a single community, mm-hmm. Is not posting to the all company feed, that's good, first thing, uh, but, I've, I've, you know, heard stories from others in the team saying that, ah, oh, this guy, his security uh, yeah. updates, you know, I, I, constantly get bogged down with that. So, yeah, and and they stop using Yammer altogether because, you know, ah, oh, oh, I can't be bothered.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, that's uh, right. So, so I think uh, uh, the, um, the better way of doing it, and again, it requires a bit of imagine, imagination, creativity, and effort, is for a community manager that can come in and create activities that engage. Or have the opportunity, oh sorry, have the potential for everyone to be engaged, not yes. just people that like kittens or babies or coffee. Yeah. Um, and actually at that conference that you mentioned last year at Social Now, I heard a great story of, 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 of a uh, engagement uh, activity which wasn't sort of, really tied to a specific group of people but it did encourage them it was a bit of a, a game a competition yeah, yeah. um but it, it didn't it wasn't um uh, anchored in a specific interest it actually drove that broad engagement it was voluntary yeah so you you, you could choose to to get involved or not but there was no um there's no barrier to being involved because you did yeah. like something or dislike something yeah so yeah. you can you've got to be kind of clever Beyond just allowing people to create social groups, I I I think that's that's right because
0: you know the change management, the adoption, it can't be like a a a, um, a prescribed uh, step of procedures, procedural steps like you know, yeah. oh, James, uh, come Monday you, you're going to use Yammer, and this is what we're going to use it for. Yeah, I think uh, you, you know yes, there is a tool called Hammer and this is what we use it for, and then people need to organically get. You know, used to it, yeah. and, and then find their own place within it, rather than having to come up with say, "uh, compliance manager or the governance manager said all the social has to happen in Yam." You know, that's right. So you you you're, you're saying that don't have uh, you know lunchroom chats anymore. You all, all you're saying <laughs> yeah. is just go and talk in Yam. That's not the case, right? So that's right. I think that's, that's, right. that's that sort of uh, adoption needs to happen over time yeah. with the proper set of tools and proper lures like you that's said right. before as well
1: there's this problem um, if one useful concept i can um also share with people listening to this podcast is the idea that you look at these solutions um through the mindset of using them of one of two ways and it's not prescriptive but it's just to help you think about this and one is that they can be what i call a catalyzing tool and that's kind of the, f- the first level if you like which yeah. is where you're going to use a tool like yammer or teams as a means to an end. It's not the actual engagement, yep. but it's the thing you use to promote or communicate their engagement opportunities. And often they might be the, the physical face to face, or it's about um, your CEO um, uh, broadcasting on, on, team saying my office literally my office door literally is always open, please come and talk to me. Yes. So you're you're using the tool to you know communicate there's an no opportunity to engage but it's not you actually not actually using the platform to do it.
0: Absolutely. The yeah. next
1: level is actually enabling engagement where you actually deliberately go out to use technology as the medium for engagement. Mm. And that's when that, that, that shift from my my door is always open, please come in and talk to me. That's great to I'm going to have these very open and transparent conversations on Yammer. Yeah. And you are free to ask me yeah, anything. Yeah, something like, like a CEO blog
0: or especially with Microsoft Stream, yeah. you could start doing live town hall style uh, live
1: events like yeah.
0: here, you know, once in a while and yeah. share what the company updates and so on. So it's not just the employees coming in, it's also from the management yeah. teams going down as well. I think that there's a few.
1: Uh, the, the reason I mention that as well is, again, you've got to match your environment. So I I worked on a project with some warehouse staff. They're not in front of computers. They're not allowed to use mobile devices while they're working. Um, And we were trying to think of ways that we can engage with them. And certainly some of it might be uh, on their breaks, but they don't particularly want to look at a company system while they're on their break. Absolutely. Um, But there are other ways you can encourage them to go online. But we actually talked about the idea of having um, a corporate radio station, Hmm. which Hmm. would certainly play some decent music. Yes. But occasionally you know would feed in some news and information um about what was going on now this is just a concept and of yes, course the trick yes. is again if you just made it kind of corporate messaging all day long that people are going to get pretty um uh, upset with that but yeah. if you think about companies that have um you you know have got a a Spotify playlist that's um, created by employees. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, again, you've got to be creative, but again, it's not about saying you, you have to use technology in a certain way. Yes, It's just about how, how, you know, how do you want to use it in a particular situation.
0: And, for example, the usage of uh, digital signage in in, mm, in, yeah. in in the right areas within the organization. You can not just use it for Sales, putting sales dashboards on or uh, systems up and down dashboards. That's open. right. It that's could right. be about employee engagement. It could be like, you know, Yammer posts could start yeah. appearing in uh, on the digital signage rather than having to, people have to
1: go in. Yeah, that's you know, right. To find what's happening in Yammer, right? So that's exactly right. And yeah. I think, you know, we, again, back to your first question around, you know, what is the mo- you know, modern work, what's the modern workplace, and how do we use technology in that context? Um, This sort of, I think there's a real opportunity to um, move beyond just looking at the set of tools that um, vendors provide, Um, and and again, we look at Office 365. Again, going back to the internet in a box part, is that there's certain things that are known knowns. Let's not worry about recreating those. Let's just get on and do them really well. Um, But then let's actually look at what else we can do. Let's start looking at those chatbot engagements, digital signage. How can we bring information to people if they're not going to be tied to a computer, you know, screen all day long? Let's start to look at, again, beyond productivity and look at engagement. Um, Don't waste time reinventing the wheel. Absolutely. Let's look at the new new stuff, the new ways of engaging people. So that's a good segue, James.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's start to wrap this up. Um, So... Let's say an organization, I'm just coming up mm. with a fictitious uh, use case here, let's say an organization who's just started on Office 365 or uh, they already have Office 365 but struggling with adoption and things like that and they have some idea on, you know, they want to drive employee engagement and things like that. So, where should they start? You know, uh, I know we spoke about technology as the second part. Yeah. Yeah. So, now they've identified uh, that they need to start embracing, uh, you know, pushing employee engagement mm. or being, you know, supporting employees certain, to a certain extent. Yep. So where should they start? Uh, uh, or from a from an Office 365
1: yeah. perspective, yeah. what's your risk? so, so we know that within the Office 365 suite, we've got a lot of tools, a lot of choices. Um, and you know, there's some solutions designed for frontline employees as well. I really think it's important to sit down and, and critically evaluate the different work styles within your organisation. And, and really understand, you know, is, is a SharePoint, uh, comms hub going to be the, m- the most effective for one or, or all groups of staff? Or do you need to actually be a little bit clever and kind of differentiate? So first thing is, is to always understand your, the people in your organization and yeah. how they like to work because a lot of the uh, sort of engagement, you know, we can do things like mandatory reads. You can, you could um, build or buy a solution for SharePoint that forces you to read certain content, for example. But for engagement, we typically want people to do it voluntarily. We want them to actually do it. And the best way of doing that is to put that in those engagement opportunities in the channel or solution that's going to best fit them. So that's the, that's the, the first step. Yeah. Um, I think the next step then is to make sure that, the the way that those tools are being um, deployed or configured don't doesn't create extra friction in how people work. Yeah. So if you are gonna give them access to um, Yammer, if you put so many restrictions on what people can and can't post, you know, it's it's possibly gonna become it's gonna become um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't think there's a right tool. Yes. To start with, um, I think in a way. Yammer is particularly easy. I mean, this has been its history, right? It's really easy to deploy. Yeah. Um, But can easily um, become less valuable if you just let it do it organically. Yeah. Um, So don't be sort of tempted to go with the path of least resistance because it, it in the long term, You may actually regret just sort of randomly throwing things out there, and and that's probably been you know one of the the disappointments disappointments I've seen with Yammer is where that's happened. People have written off the tool. Yeah. Um, it's not been the tool; it's purely been how it's been rolled out. Um, so yeah, look at what people do, look at how they want to work, and make sure you put the right effort into those tools as you give them to people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Excellent thanks james uh, that's really uh, really insightful and, and really appreciate your time on that uh, just just one last question to finish up the podcast uh, is sure. give us a give us a productivity tip i, I always all, all my guess is uh,
1: give us a productivity tip that you use on a day to day basis a productivity tip um, I, uh, look, I think my productivity tip, I'm not in the... Um, Don't the, say drink more beer or something. No, no, yeah, more beer is always useful. <laughs> Your inbox always looks better. Um, I'm not in the um, inbox zero camp. Yeah. Um, however, um, I would say that for me, uh, the it's important to clear out all those um, notifications from other systems, Um. You know, I, you, you get so many email alerts from different tools, which can be... Actually, I should say in the context as well, because I've, I'm an independent consultant, I'm often working with different people in different systems. Um, I like to clear out all those little notifications as quickly as possible Yeah. so that what's left in my inbox, it's not necessarily clearing out everything, but what is left in my inbox is actual real communication. Yeah. Um, that's, Yeah. That's that's, that's, good,
0: that's yeah. a good tip, uh, James, especially in I've seen examples of... uh. You know, notifications actually being the hindrance to people adopting a system because it says, "I don't want to be bothered about Yammer because it sends way too many notifications."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's yeah, Just, yeah. Uh, I heard that. Before. Yeah, I, 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 my, my approach is: I've been notified that there is a bit of communication or content in a system that I use that's still going to be there. Yeah, I don't need to keep a copy. Absolutely. In my inbox, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thanks, James. Uh, that's that's been really uh, insightful, and I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Great chatting with you. Cheers, man. Thanks. There you have it. I've enjoyed and learned a lot from James about intranet in a box offerings and how to drive employee engagement using modern workplace technologies. Hope you have learned something new by listening to this episode as well. If you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And as I release new episodes every fortnight, you'll be the first one to know if you're a subscribed user. James, thanks once again for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge and experiences with us. That's it for this episode and I'll be back with another one in in a few weeks time. In the meantime, follow me on LinkedIn to check out my daily learning videos on Office 365. And also, if you have any consulting or training requirements in your organization or any other organizations you know of, please do reach out to me at modernwork.cloud. Bye for now.